0: Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. These things here, these guardrails, are incredibly useful when driving out and about on the roads. You know, we see them along uh, the central reservations of motorways or on bridges, and to be honest, we don't even notice them until we need them. You know, guardrails are a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas, and they're there to minimise damage and to direct and protect us. Now, as we go through this series, we're highlighting the fact that the road isn't the only place where we need guardrails. You know, future regrets regarding our money, our relationships, our friendships, well, they can be avoided if we establish guardrails before it's too late. And the point of a guardrail, a kind of a moral barrier, is to light up our conscience uh, before we hurt others or we hurt ourselves. And they kind of, they make us feel uneasy early, well before crossing the line of regret. So today, well, today's a sensitive subject because we're looking at establishing guardrails around the area of relationships and sex and intimacy, about guarding our marriage, about guarding ourselves until we're married, or even guarding ourselves from married people. And can I say right at the start that if, if this is an area that you feel that you've failed or fallen in, you need to know that there is nothing that God can't forgive, heal and restore. So this isn't an I, to- I told you so talk, but it is a needed conversation because our culture is rubbish at speaking into this whole area. You know, society encourages sex, uh, sexual exploration as part of our development and finding ourselves. And nowhere does our culture do a better job of tempting us and baiting us and then shaming us when we get it wrong. I mean, think of what you've watched recently, you know, you and I, we entertain ourselves with media, movies and music that normalizes sex outside of marriage and normalizes affairs and we can be watching a film and want someone to have an affair because we've got caught up in the characters and the storyline so we entertain ourselves with it and then a friend has an affair and we are horrified so we entertain ourselves with it and then freak out when someone does it I mean how confusing is that but we all know the danger and the damage of the misuse of sex can do you know the affair that rips the family apart sexual abuse that leaves someone hurt and damaged for years Sexual harassment in the workplace, the damage caused to people's self-esteem and and self-image by by pornography, and the modern-day horror of the sex trade and trafficking. You know, these aren't just religious issues, these are everyday issues. But have you ever stopped to consider that if God wanted to inspire someone to write about this subject and impart some wisdom you know some guardrails what would he say would he say go for it have a good time wait until you're ready if it feels good do it Well, do you know what? We do know what God would say because 2000 years ago, a man called Paul, who was planting new churches all around the Mediterranean, wrote to a church in a city called Corinth. Now he'd been there a couple of times before teaching them about Jesus and about how to live God's way. And he backs up his visit by writing to them to remind them of what he taught. And Paul writes these words. He says, flee from sexual immorality or as the New Living Translation puts it, run from sexual sin. Don't flee from sex, but from the misuse of it. And because, well, just in case you think I'm being really narrow-minded, isn't that exactly what every husband wants his wife to do and every wife wants her husband to do? You know, if a work colleague begins to make a move on your spouse, don't you want them to flee, to, to run away from a potential affair? Of course we do. You know, if you're in a relationship, don't you want your partner to do this? So you see, God's advice is good, isn't it? And he gives this advice to us because he loves us and he wants the very best for us. And yet sadly, because of the lure of sex and because of the millions of images that we see in advertising and in reading in books and watching on TV, rather than flee, we we flirt with risk to get a kick, to get a quick thrill. And it's that flirting that can take us to places that we later regret. So Paul then says something quite controversial. He says this, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Now, Paul is saying that there is something different about sexual sin, and I'll come on to what that is in a minute, but there is something uniquely damaging that affects us in a way that other sins don't. You know, it's possible to fully recover financially. It's possible to fully recover academically. But when it comes to sexual sin, that's not the case. I mean, forgiven? Yes. Fully escape the consequences? No. Because damage is done. And sometimes this is generational damage. You know, it undermines future intimacy. It impacts future relationships. And it has a way of resurfacing over and over again. And Paul, 2000 years ago, knew this. He said, this isn't unforgivable. This has nothing to do with God accepting or loving you. But understand that the consequences of falling in this area are different as it follows us around wherever we go. So he says, flee, run away from sexual sin. For sexual sin, sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So what does sinning sexually mean? Well, in the New Testament, where we find Jesus' life and teaching, sin is defined by our choices that hurt, steal, or dishonor God or another person. You know, that any time I put me before you to your detriment, it's a sin. And whenever you put you before me to my detriment, it's a sin. And here's why. Because every single person that you and I have the potential to hurt is loved by God. And you can't love and be close to God and be hurting his children. I mean, I have three grown up children. So just imagine that you are stealing from Sam, bad-mouthing Alice and stalking Rachel. You know, we can't be friends if you're mistreating my kids. You can't separate my role as a dad and my love for them against how you're treating them. And God says the same. We can't sing worship songs um, uh, to him and pretend we're great with him when we're hurting his children. So when you take this extraordinary gift of sex that was designed for an exclusive, one-of-a-kind covenant relationship with another person, and you divvy it up amongst a whole bunch of relationships, you're not only hurting others, but you're, well, you're hurting yourself and undermining both theirs and your potential for future intimacy. In the strange movie, Vanilla Sky, that came out in 2001, Dave, who's played by Tom Cruise, has this friend called Julie, played by Cameron Diaz. And he thinks that they can sleep together and just remain friends. But eventually she has to explain to him something quite profound. She says this, that when you sleep with someone, your body makes a promise whether you do or not. You see, sex is more than just a physical act. So sexual sin has nothing to do with God being a prude or not liking sex. I mean, blimey, he came up with the idea. But it has everything to do with how much God loves you and cherishes you and how much he loves and cherishes the people that you work with and live with and have fun with. And then Paul cleverly switches tack and he moves away from consequences onto identity. So he writes these words, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? temples to be honest don't relate to us today you know we might visit a temple on holiday uh, and I guess uh, they're viewed as kind of sacred places if anything is kind of sacred nowadays but Paul says you are in fact you are more sacred than any sacred place on the planet why because you have the Holy Spirit living in you you are fine-tuned to have a relationship with God and with others in fact you were created and designed for intimacy with one other person And that's the ideal that God has set out. Now, the Holy Spirit living in us is massive, it's a big deal. Why? Because the value of the container is determined by what it contains. Let me explain. We have a piggy bank at home. It's basically a tin that Sarah puts cash in as a way of saving money. And so if you were to break into our house and and we caught you stealing our piggy bank, we would be gutted. You see, Actually, it's just a tin can with a slit in the top that's been partially opened by a can opener when we wanted to get some cash out. But the piggy bank isn't worth much, but what's inside of it is much more valuable. So I would be gutted if you took our piggy bank because it's what's in the piggy bank that makes it valuable. And your heavenly father says that you contain the image of God, that's everyone. And if we've come to know God, then we have the Holy Spirit living in us too. And so that you and I are extraordinarily valuable. You're not your own, you are bought at a price, Paul says. And this is amazing too, because it tells us again how loved and how valued and precious we are. Why? Because ownership determines value too. You know, Ed Sheeran has donated uh, several signed guitars for charity auctions and every time this happens the value of the guitar rockets, often doubling or trebling in value. Why? Well it's because of who has owned the guitar. We have been bought at a price. How much does God love us and what value does he place on our lives? Well. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. The essence of the gospel is that when God sent his son into the world to die for your sins and mine, that revealed how incredibly valuable we are to God. With the preciousness of people and the potential for hurt, especially in the area of intimacy, plus the value God places on us, Paul writes this, Therefore, honour God with your bodies. And this, this is why we need guardrails. And how do we do this? And how do we set up these guardrails? Well, let me highlight two ways to do this. One, we need to talk about it honestly. Talk about it with our spouse, with our fiance, uh, the person that we're dating. Talk about what you're comfortable with, with regards to your partner's relationship with other men and women. Find out what each other thinks is acceptable. You know, what's acceptable at work? What's appropriate behavior in the workplace? I mean, what about sharing personal or intimate stuff with friends? Is that okay? And what about the use of social media and jokey texts and uh, how and who you communicate with online? You know, who you're friends with? Honestly, talk about these things and be honest and listen to each other. Decide on your guardrails and your relationships with other people and you know often talking about your struggles and temptations with another person and having some accountability becomes so important you know blokes often find this really hard to do you know to open up to others but it's so important so guys find trusted men to talk with be open with them ask be open to them asking the hard questions about what you're watching who you're spending time with and it is so worth it because it could save you from making some big mistakes and having some huge regrets. But it only works if you're honest, brutally honest. I found praying for each other in those accountable relationships can be so powerfully too. So talk about it honestly. And secondly, set boundaries. Over the years, I have sat and talked with people who have fallen, whether it's affairs, pornography, sleeping around, And what's amazing is that everyone can trace the beginnings of those things back to simple decisions they've made. Often small, seemingly innocuous decisions that came together and led them down a road to hurt and regret. You know, working too closely uh, with a work colleague uh, that, that results in an affair, supporting someone who's emotionally vulnerable and getting too close, Typing keywords into a search engine to see what would come up and and it took you to hardcore sites that that led to a habit That's been hard to break You know what people say as they share their stories. They say I wish I'd set boundaries I wish I'd asked for help earlier and Guardrails are designed to keep us from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. They're there to minimize damage so come on, what guardrails would you put in place to keep your relationships healthy, to develop intimacy in our marriages, to protect you from straying off course and into dangerous areas? What, what guardrails will you establish as a single person? You know, who will you talk with and be vulnerable with regarding your struggles? And, and who will you allow to speak into your life in order to help you have sexual and moral integrity? Because honestly, social media won't do that. Movies and Netflix won't do that. You need to find someone. And I can't tell you what your guardrail should be, but I know what mine need to be. So I have a friend who asks me what I'm watching because I'm vulnerable to that, like about 70% of all men. He asks me how Sarah and I are doing in our relationship. I, I have a guardrail that stops me from developing friendships or spending time alone with anyone that I could easily fancy. It's true, I run away from those relationships because I never want to be in that place where I have to admit to Sarah that I'd got too close or I'd had an affair with someone. My heart shudders at the thought. So I need guardrails and so do you. And do you think that you'll look back in five years from now and regret establishing guardrails around your sexual integrity? No, you'll look back and think that establishing those guardrails was the best decision you ever made. So I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I'm still married. I'm glad I'm not hooked and addicted. I'm so glad that I don't live with the hurt and guilt of bad relational decisions. (laughs) So flee or flirt. Fleeing honors God and he wants the best for you. Avoiding hurting yourself and others. And the way that we honour God and protect ourselves and others is by establishing guardrails in this area. So what guardrails will you put in place that keeps you within the safe zone so that you live with greater intimacy and fewer regrets? That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find the next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.